welcome back. I'm Brian Metzger and this is Inscription. Whether you feel far from God and you want to change that or you already have a relationship with God and you just want to go deeper, this is the place for you. Brothers and sisters, we're preparing today the readings for the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time. But before we take a look at those readings, first we're going to look at the Hebraic calendar. And with the Hebraic calendar, each week Israel reads a different portion of Torah. So over the whole course of the whole year, they'll read what they call a Torah portion. And this for this for the month of Av that we're in right now, the, the majority of the Torah portion is coming from Deuteronomy. So let's put Deuteronomy in a context first. So there's five books in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first one, Genesis, the name in Hebrew is Bereshit, which means the, in the which is where we get the word, the expression in the beginning. And Bereshit is basically the way that you begin the story, the way that you let people know you're about to tell them something that's going to take them to a different place, it's going to take you to a different time. So, for example, when we tell stories, we'll say things once upon a time or a long, long time ago or if you like, in a galaxy far, far away. Those are all signals. Well, Bereshit, which is which is in the beginning, is one of those. But it's one of those, it's saying that this is the story of all stories. This is this is the, the, the story behind every other story. This is the story that's greater than any other story. And as they and as they tell us, it's as if here comes a new wine, so get your new wine skin ready because what you're gonna hear is gonna change everything. So that's Bereshit, that's Genesis, that's the place that starts to transport us to a different to a different mindset, to a different realm in the spirit. Well, after after Genesis, then we move into Exodus, which is the book of Shemot. And Shemot means the names. And particularly, the book of Exodus starts off where there, that, Israel, that here are the names of the sons of Israel. And it starts listing all, all those genealogies and those long lists of names and tribes. Well, the, but it's not just the book of names where we get the names of all the sons of Israel. It's in the book of Exodus that we receive the name of the Lord, yod Hey vav Hey. It's the first time that the Lord reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush as yod Hey vav Hey. So Shemot. So Bereshit in the beginning, Shemot, the book of names. Now these next three kind of hang together. Leviticus is Vayakra. It says, and then the Lord called to Moses from the tent. Um, so if you remember, part of the book of Exodus is this, yes, it's the escape from Egypt. It's going to Mount Sinai. It's receiving the Mount Sinai revelation. But part of the Mount Sinai revelation is that God wants to do life with his people. Jude, Jew, Jew, uh, being Jewish and being Christian, it's not about God. It's about life with God. And so when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, he has the instruction for how to build how, how to build the Ark of the Covenant, how to create the meeting tent. And then once it's all built, that's the end of that's the end of Book of Exodus. Once it's all built, then the glory of the Lord fills the tent and nobody can enter it. But then that's where Leviticus comes in because, and then the Lord called to Moses from the tent via Christ. He, he calls him and he wants to give him the instructions. How do you enter into the Lord's glory? How do you enter into the tent? And so then the book of Leviticus are these instructions of how to enter into the tent. Well, once if, if the book of Levitic, Leviticus begins with, and then the Lord called to Moses from the tent, so it's the invitation to come into his glory, then the book of Numbers is, and then the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent. 
And so now Moses is getting a, a deeper understanding. The Lord is taking him not just into the revelation of Mount Sinai, but the secret of the secrets. The Lord is taking him deep into the secrets in the book of Numbers, which is called Bemetzbah. Uh, and this Bemetzbah, this is, as we're talking about the book of Numbers, it's, it's the, this is where you get the counting of the Omer and the connecting. And again, you have a number of lists of tribes and genealogies because there's this census that's taking place. But the, the meaning of the word census, the spiritual meaning, it, in Hebrew, it actually translates to raise the head of all of Israel. And, you know, when we take roll, we're like counting the heads, how many are here? But it's to raise the head of all of Israel, which is to take the mindset and show all of Israel that there's no such thing as a limitation. That every, every situation that you're going to be in, that I'm teaching you how to walk on the water of the ocean of limitations. And so that's, that's the book of Numbers. Now we get to the final book, the book of Deuteronomy. And so if first the Lord called to Moses from the tent, to come into the tent. And then in the book of Numbers, it says, and then the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent. When Moses comes out of the tent, now you have the book of Deuteronomy. Then Moses spoke to all of Israel. And it gives this long list. And so this is the month of Av where Moses is speaking to, to, to all of Israel. And it starts listing, not just Israel in this place, but starts naming all the places that they've been on their journey all the way back to before they crossed the Red Sea. Moses is speaking them and the and the 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 sages of Israel they say, they explain that the reason that Moses Isaac Isaac Gloria is who I'm speaking of right now Rabbi Isaac Gloria he says that the all the places that Moses is naming is all the places on the journey where Israel's faith failed them and he's speaking, here are the words you need to know so that when you come to those places of trial and challenge again, you will, your faith will not fail you. So he's speaking the words that they need in order to enter into the new land, in order to enter into the promised land. And oh, by the way, Moses isn't going to go with them. As Moses writes the book of Deuteronomy, he has 36 days left. And there's 36, so these 36 days before Moses is going to die, he's writing this final book. Israel's at the Jordan River, Israel is at the Jordan River. 40 years have transpired in the desert. One whole generation has been lost. And now it's time to enter into the promised land. And Moses isn't going to go. He's giving them everything they need. And then, the, and then Moses, after the Lord called Moses into the tent, and then after the Lord spoke to Moses in the tent, then Moses spoke to all of Israel. And it wasn't just all of Israel then, it's all of Israel through all time. And that all of Israel through all time, we know because of the writings of St. Paul and the teachings in the New Testament that we've been grafted into this olive tree that is Israel. So this is, this is Moses speaking to us as well. So these are, these are very powerful words about what does it mean to enter into the promised land. And so it's not just that physical journey across the Jordan River that they took then in order to enter into the promised land. It's, it's each one of us in that state of relationship with the Lord where we transition from desert into promised land, into land of milk and honey. And so these are the words... 
Now, as the so so in this in this month of Av, we're reading the book of Deuteronomy right now. There on chapter seven, verse twelve, and the Lord is speaking to to them about the abundance that they're going to be walking in. But there there are going to be trials, as we said before. There are giants in the land. There will always be giants in the land. There will always be there will always be obstacles to overcome. But those obstacles to overcome are God uses them. It's not to justify evil. But it's also not to blame evil that our ability to be light is connect. God creates, God uses those opportunities for us to be light. And in fact, there's a way in which every time we bump into a difficulty, what we're bumping into is one of those divine sparks, but it's hidden in a shell. And the effort and the energy that we have to make to crack that shell, to release that light, that's part of us turning light into darkness, turning bitterness into sweetness. And this is God's assignment for us. So, so that's a look at the Torah portion. And just a quick review of the, of the aspects of the, of the month. The name of the month is the month of Av, which we get, which is derived from the word Father. The number of the month is the number five. It means it's the fifth, spiritual, it's the fifth month in the spiritual calendar. But the, symbolic, the spiritual meaning is the fifth level of the soul, perfect oneness with God. The letter of the month is the, the letter Tet. The letter Tet is that circle with an opening in it. And so we are talking about it as the, uh, as the womb that's open to receive the spark of the divine. The tribe of the month of Simeon is Simeon. And the spiritual meaning of Simeon, his name literally means to hear, which is also where we get the sense for the month, which is a sense of hearing. And we spoke about uh, three levels of circumcision, where spiritual circumcision, where the heart is opened, where the mouth is circumcised, and when the ears are opened. And Jesus himself talks about this when he heals the deaf man, his ephetha, be open. And also through the book of Revelation, it says, let those who have eyes see, let those who have ears hear. Now, last month we were focused on seeing, this month we're focused on hearing. And we also talked about the Rabbi Shimon, one of the great teachers over, it, he, he taught, Rabbi Shimon taught uh, two, 200 years ago. The and and when Rabbi no no that Bar Shimon R- Rabbi Shimon he spoke in in 100 AD he's the teacher of he's the one who wrote the Zohar down and he used to begin his teachings he says he says uh, he would always whisper he said why are you whispering he says because I'm going to tell you secrets so he would say come in here and I'll tell you secrets. And then we, we spoke about the first level, one, one level of teaching is come and hear and I'll tell you secrets. And then another level of teaching is come and see and I will show you secrets. And this is what Jesus says, come and see. And then the third level after that, Jesus also says, he says, come away with me and rest. So three levels of entering into the teachings of the Lord. So the spiritual, the sense of the month is hearing. And so we're going to be listening with our spiritual ears. The, the feast that permeates the month is the is to be of which is the feast of love god tell god remembers his love story to his children and he, and he and he and he shares it with us and then the constellation for the month because the heavens declare the glory of god and the gospel is on circuit above our heads the constellation of the month is the month is the is the constellation of leo which is the lion reminds us of a lion of judah but it also reminds us of what the sages say about this month that the the lion will destroy the lion in the month of the lion, but a fiery lion will rise up from the ashes. 
And the first lion is the lion Nebuchadnezzar that came in the 6th century to destroy Jerusalem, who's the second lion. So the lion Nebuchadnezzar will destroy the lion of Jerusalem in the month of the lion. The, the, the third lion is the, the lion of Leo. The fourth lion, the fiery lion, will rise up from the ashes. That's ashes. That's the Mashiach. And so the Mashiach, that's the Messiah, that's Christ, that's Jesus. And they understood that Messiah has a, a blast of hope for the nation, but it also has a blast of hope for us in our individual journeys as we experience, experience ashes that Av or Abba is going to reach down to us and lift us up with the hope of the Messiah, with the hope of Christ within us, and going to connect us to even through that journey to that, that, that point, that deepest point of our identity, which is that fiery lion rising up within us. And so you have our deepest point of identity. It's as if, um, borrowing language from one of the mystics, one of the fathers of the church, who would say that when a log is so consumed with fire, you cannot tell where the fire ends and where the log begins or where the log begins and the fire ends. That's so consumed. This is the way we are with Christ in our identity. My mentor, Jasani, he says... He says, the deeper I enter within myself, the more I become aware of the presence of an other who's more myself than I am. So this, this point of connection with Christ, John Paul II says, it's only in the face-to-face -face encounter with Christ that he reveals to us our true selves. Okay, so those are, those are some, uh, some of the treasures we have in the Hebraic calendar. And now we'll dive into our readings for the day. The, so it's the 18th Sunday at Ordinary Time, and the first readings from the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verse 2 to 3. I encourage you to open your Bibles. The, one of the reasons is because as I'm reading along, I'm going to give interpretations as we go through the scriptures. That way you can see the words that are the jump-off points for the prophetic teaching. So Exodus 16, the, and I love the, the rabbis, they would say, they call the page the white fire and the ink the black fire. And they say that we need to learn to move from the white page and the black ink to the white fire and the black fire, which is that spiritual meaning that's hidden in the text. So Exodus, Exodus 16. The whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So at this point of the story, this is, this is before... Let's see here. This is, this is early on in the book of Exodus. So this is before the Mount Sinai experience. And they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. And this is, this is a pattern that we see even to the point right before they're going to enter in the promised land. They start to grumble again. And then the grumbling goes through the whole tribe. I would like to propose to you, brothers and sisters, that having to stay in the desert for 40 years is not the punishment for grumbling. It's the consequence for grumbling. Be, be impeccable with your speech. Our words are powerful. We are created in the image and the likeness of a God who created by his word. We have the ability with the complaining and the, with the words that we speak, we have the ability to manifest a reality. So Israel got caught in a feedback loop where the more they grumbled, the more they saw and you know what what you what you focus on you where focus goes energy flows what you focus on you feel what you frame you empower what you're speaking out you're manifesting and so they were actually creating this trap for themselves 
and, and it starts here early on in Exodus, chapter 16. There's all together in Exodus, there's, four, there's 40 chapters. So we're in the first half of Exodus. So the whole Israelite community is grumbling against Moses. And maybe what we can say is this is part of the purpose of being in the desert, is that this negativity can be purged out of, out of our systems. But it's not just true for them then, it's true for us now. We have negativity. We have grumbling in us that God's purging out. And we, you know, complain sometimes that life is hard and this is difficult and I don't know how to do this and this keeps happening to me. Well, all of that is just creating more difficulty. And the Lord is, is working us through these through these trials and challenges and tribulations in order to bring us to that point in the ashes where he's going to lift us up that fiery line. So let's feel those hands of our loving Father lifting us up and showing us that fire, that deeper point of our identity which where we become a fiery lion rising up from the ashes, overcoming adversity. This is the, this is the anointing of Christ. This is the power of the Mashiach. The whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, what, what that he, would that he had, I'm sorry, would that we had died at the Lord's hands in the land of Egypt as we sat by our flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. But you had to lead us into this desert to make the whole community die of famine. All right, so what's happening here is Israel is stuck in what's called body consciousness. And so this is the, it's a necessary level of consciousness, but it's the lowest level of consciousness. And all they are aware of is their physical hunger. So they want the leeks and the onions. They want the, they want the flesh pots of Egypt. They want the easy life. But they're totally forgetting that while they were back in Egypt, they were living under the, the whips of Pharaoh's attack, taskmasters, and they were complaining back then too. Now they're out of that. And what they're being called is to notice the way that, that the things of the body do not satisfy. It's not enough. It's not enough to just have leeks and onions and soup to, to, to eat, that we need higher things. If we're slaves, we need our freedom. We need that those, those, three, eight, those three attributes of God to be creative, independent, and to, and to be a giver, to be sharing. So, but Israel is right now stuck in that body consciousness. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will now rain down bread from heaven for you, each day the people are to go out and to gather their daily portion. Thus I will test them to see whether they follow my instructions or not. Okay, so this bread from heaven coming down, the Lord is showing us that what we think is, what we believe are the limits of possibility are not the limits. He's breaking down limits. He's going to rain a heavenly bread. So this is, this is also indicating beyond our body consciousness, there's a higher level. There's a spirit consciousness. There's a realm of the spirit. We don't just live in a physical world, but we're learning how to interact between the spirit world and the physical world. And this is actually what the human being is. We are both physical and spiritual at the same time. And the Lord wants to teach us not just to have a body consciousness, but also to have a spirit consciousness. And he's going to do so by, by blurring the lines between the realm of the spirit and the physical realm. And he's going to show us how to play a part in that, that new creation that's emerging right in the midst of us as there's a marriage between 
between the spirit and the flesh, between heaven and earth, between God and his people. I have heard the grumbling of the Israel. So he hears when we grumble in our bodies. Tell them in the evening twilight you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. So the Lord is teaching us what it means to be in relationship with Him, that we can live our lives in total dependency upon Him. And so every night He had quail come into the camp. This is 600,000 This is 600,000 men in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, which would equate to about 3 million people if you add in the women and children and the, and, and the, and the elderly as well. So for three million people in the desert, think about how much quail comes into the camp every single night. Think about how much manna was on the floor every single morning. And this is, they said that this manna, this was a heavenly bread. It says that the angels, the rabbi said that there were heavenly millstones, that the angels themselves ground this flour and made this bread and brought it down to them. And they said that when they ate it, it tasted like honey and coriander. So, so I have, I have heard the grumbling, tell them every night you shall eat flesh and all morning you shall have your fill of bread so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. He's teaching us how to have dependency. The, the time, the 40 days in the desert was critical for us to develop a relationship with the promiser so that we're ready to go into the promised land because the promised land is going to be so good, but it's supposed to be a place where we grow in intimacy and live life. Remember, Christianity, Christianity, Judaism and Christianity are the same in this. It's not about God. It's about a life with God. And so they're learning how in the desert, how to be dependent upon him, to live this life of total dependency upon God. So, and, and then that way, when they are living in abundance and everything and all around in every direction, overflowing superabundance, that's going to be so tempting to make that your God. No, God is God. God is my God. I am the Lord your God. In the evening, the quail came and covered the camp. In the morning, a dew lay all about the camp, and when the dew evaporated, there was on the surface of the desert, there were fine flakes like hoarfrost on the ground. On seeing it, the Israels asked to one another, what is this? And that's, where we, that's actually where we get the name manna. So manna means, what is this? What is it? For they did not know what it was. But Moses told them, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. And this bread, this super substantial bread, this 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 bread, this heavenly bread, there's all kinds of stories that that Israel remembers from these times. That the more you depended on this bread, the more fulfilling this bread, the more energy the bread would give you. Also, any food that you would think about while you're eating it, that's what it would feel like you were eating. And so this was this was a spiritual bread. There's almost something magical about this bread. Okay, so that's our first reading, moving on to the song. And we're going to hear more about this bread. And bread is going to be the theme that takes us right, right through the scriptures. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from our Father in heaven. So we're going to see this symmetry between the spiritual bread, which is his word, and the physical bread that we eat. We're going to see the marriage between these two realities happening, which is what humanity is all about. So the response is the Lord gave 
them bread from heaven. The first verse, we're in Psalm 28, verses 3 to 4. So come with me to Psalm 28, verses 3 to 4. What we have heard and know, and what our fathers have declared to us, we will declare to the generations to come. The glorious deeds of the Lord and His strength and the wonders that He wrought. So this here sets up the oral tradition of Torah, that Israel has a memory from the beginning. Israel has a memory of Egypt. Israel has a memory of of the plagues. Israel has a memory of being rescued. And then right through all those ways that Israel, that God manifested himself, he defeated defeated Egypt. He, He split the Red Sea. He fed them with quail and manna in the desert. He fed them with water from the rock. He manifested himself in the pillar of fire. He manifested himself in the glory of, of, the, of the tent. All along the way, God is showing signs and wonders to his people. And this is part of what we're talking about as, as the Torah portion is Deuteronomy today, which is the entering into the land. Moses gives them that that final download, everything you'll need to live in the promised land. He speaks it to all Israel through, and he names all the places of their whole journey from Egypt to the Jordan. That whole journey, every time their faith failed them, he speaks a word, remember. And so this is what David is picking up on this tradition, which gets passed on from family to family, from from father to son and son to son, and the sons become fathers. And yeah, so, so from fathers and mothers to their children and from the children to their children, from their children to their children. So what we have heard and know, what our fathers have declared to us, we will declare to the generation to come. This is also, they're talking about there's more to the transmission of faith than just the written word. This is why we need the stories around it. This is why we need that oral tradition. So we will declare to the generations to come. What will we declare? The glorious deeds of the Lord and his strength and the wonders that he wrought. What if we made the story about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his strength and the wonders that he wrought rather than about the complaining? So those are the two choices. Either we're focusing on the complaints and what you focus on, you feel, what you frame, you empower, what you speak out, you manifest. Either we see more of that or we 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 will declare to the generations to come the glorious deeds of the Lord and his strength and the wonders that he wrought. And brothers and sisters, the more you see the wonders, the more you will see the wonders. The more you see it, the more you say it, the more you'll walk in it. So even to the point of every breath that we take is a miracle. Every beat of our hearts, the canopy of the stars above is a miracle. And every blade of grass, every grain of sand, and every drop of dew, and every sun, moon, and star is a miracle. All right, moving on to the next verses. It's uh, verse 23 to 24. It says, He commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them for food, and he gave them heavenly bread. So the, one of the things that I see this connected to is Jesus' baptism where the heavens were opened. And so we're seeing that connection of, of fulfillment between what does it mean to have an open heavens? The, and then the final verse is 20, 25, and then it jumps ahead and gives a little piece of 25 and a little piece of 24. I'm, I'm sorry, a little piece of 54. Men ate the bread of angels. Food he sent them in abundance. And he brought them to his holy land, to the mountains his right hand had won. 
So remember that the mountains, the mountain of the Lord, this is an ascension vehicle. This is a way of bridging that gap between heaven and earth. The mountain represents the realm in between heaven and earth, the place of interaction. So, And also his right hand is his hand of, of manifest power. So his, hidden, his, his left hand is his, hit, his hand of hidden providence, and his right hand is manifest power. And so in the Song of Songs it says, he, held, he holds his beloved with his left hand, and he hugs her with his right hand, or comforts her with his right hand. So there's what she, what she sees, the visible, and there's the invisible. God's in it all. Man ate the bread of angels, food he sent him in abundance. God turns the desert, a place of scarcity, defined by scarcity, God turns the desert into a place of abundance. Brothers and sisters, there are areas in your life right now where you're feeling the desert, where you're feeling the scarcity. He wants to feed you with the bread of angels. Man lives not on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. But those words that he speaks to you are going to raise your heart, illumine your minds, and change your reality. You're going to experience the Lord's abundance in the desert. And he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain. He, he, to the mountains his right hand had won. Okay, so that's the Psalms. Now we're moving into the book of Ephesians, and it's chapter 4, verse 17, then skips 18 and 19, goes on to 20 to 24. So book of Ephesians, come with me to book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Brothers and sisters, I declare and testify in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now pause right there. So this Gentiles means anybody who's not yet become a believer. Okay, so, and that, if you've not yet become a believer, that means you don't yet have a spiritual life. Or, to be fair, all of us have a spiritual life, but we're not conscious of it. So they're only living from that state of body consciousness. And in their minds, they think as materialists that, you know, eat, drink, and meet, be merry, for tomorrow we die. All we have right now is this physical reality. That's the mindset of the Gentile. And the Gentile, it's the, it's the pleasure principle. Well, avoid pain and choose pleasure. That's, that's that worldly way of thinking. And body conscious, remember, it's necessary to be conscious there. God's communicating to us in our bodies but God is communicating, which means that we have an opportunity to transcend our bodies and to access that spiritual realm because we are both body and spirit. And so I declare and testify to you, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Oh, and I want to say about this pleasure that these pleasures in the body, if we make them our ultimate goal, they will end up destroying us. These pleasures are given to us to direct for a reason. So we want to look to God and say, what are the reasons for these pleasures? So we apply a restriction on our pleasures, even the simple pleasure of eating. We don't just eat ourselves until we're, in, in, until we're overcome by food. We, we, we eat with intention in order to give glory to God. So that endless light of the Creator that He's put into the food and the provision that He's given us, as we eat it, we, 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 we bless it first. And we say, this, this food has a higher end. And, and so and we eat it and we enjoy and we celebrate and we give glory to God. And so now spiritual and physical is being married in this meal. So we, we guide, we're intentional about our pleasures, we're intentional about our living, and we, we restrict our pleasures 
pleasure for the sake of his pleasure, knowing his purpose. But then the teaching is that when we restrict our pleasure for the sake of his pleasure, it increases our pleasure 620 fold. I'm not sure where they get that number, but it sounds like a good deal to me. So, uh, so a little bit of restriction to receive pleasure. God created us for pleasure. He wants us to, bleed, to be pleased. The Garden of Eden is the garden of pleasure. God wants us to have pleasure. So the pleasure is from God, but it's also for God. So as we receive pleasure for the sake of his pleasure, that's when our pleasure is maximized. All right. So... So I declare and testify in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. That is not how you learned Christ, assuming that you had learned of him and were taught in him as truth is in Jesus. So this truth that's in Jesus, that spirit realm, the in, in the past, Jacob's ladder and Moses' tent and David's David's tent and Solomon's temple, all of these places where the glory of the Lord filled, these were access points to access the heavenly glory. Jesus is more than just an access point. He is the heavenly glory. He is that heaven come to earth. As And so in that heavenly reality, that's man does not live on bread alone, but every word, bread and truth are intimately connected. So the truth that God is speaking to us is the truth of his son. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the truth. He says, I am the truth. Paul says here, as truth is in Christ. But that truth is the truth of of the spirit realm. That truth is the truth of the heavenly reality. That truth is the access into into the, the pure white marble palace hidden in the center of the Garden of Eden that Jesus calls his father's house that you should put away your old self and your former way of life, corrupt with deceitful desires. So what does deceitful desires mean? It's not just that we will deceive just to have these desires, but these desires themselves are deceiving us because these desires, these passions within ourselves are convincing us that this is what life is about, that they hold the secret to ultimate fulfillment. But all you have to do is live a little while to know that those desires don't 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 grant you ultimate fulfillment. So what we want to learn to do is as we recognize these desires to to restrict and direct these desires intentionally. It's not that you can't eat, it's not that you can't drink, but that when we drink we want to ask seek the seek the mind of God on this, seek the heart of God on this and let the pleasures that he gives us be for the purpose that he gives us. So for example, the you know one of the greatest human pleasures is 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 experienced in our sex in sexual intimacy, but God has a plan for sex, sexual intimacy. He his plan isn't to to not be sexually intimate. Is that's that's for marriage, and so. All right. So put away your old self and your former way of life, corrupted through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So he's talking about there's a new way. There's a new realm. There's an old self and there's a new self. Put away your old self and your former way of, of, of living and, and put on your new self. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. 
Put on your new self. So this is that, that garment, that garment of Christ, that garment of redemption, that garment of salvation, that garment of humility. And these garments in the realm of the spirit mean access. Garments, garments both are spiritual armor in the attack against the enemy and priestly garments to bring us into the holy holies in those deep places. But these, they're here for us. All we have to do is, the, gar- the garment is God, the garment is Christ which is the Father's yes and amen to us. Our first step is to say yes and amen to him, to put that garment on, but then to walk out that new identity. So as it applies to battle with the enemy and with those deceitful desires and those, those, those you know, pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, sloth, uh, the, as it applies to there, to, to be able to put on the garment and let that spiritual armor shield us with that, that shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy and that sword and the spirit, which is the word, which is the word of God that, you know, put on that helmet of salvation. And so it's, it's armor in warfare, but it's priestly garments that gives us access to the chamber of the king, to intimacy with God. So, so, All right, so be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on your new self, created in God's way, in righteousness and holiness and truth. So remember, truth is that pure white marble palace at the center of the Garden of Eden where no longer do we say water of waters because all waters have become one. This is the place of incredible, of of ecstasy with God. All right, so that's, that's Ephesians. And Paul, again and again, hits us with these deeply spiritual, deeply mystical texts that if we don't have some of this bigger picture of how this works, what happens is we just next, next, and we're just missing treasures. And this is part of the of the of God's plan for this life is this life is a treasure hunt find the treasures don't say next say get in the secret place get down get de- get face down in the secret place father i have to know Father, I have to know. I'm hungry to know the things of the Spirit. I'm hungry to know your heart. I'm hungry to know your thoughts. And I see this hunger. I know this hunger is a gift from you. I know that's you working inside of me. So I want to see what you're doing, Father God. And I want to bless it. Thank you for this hunger that you've given me. Thank you for the word that you've given me. Thank you for the invitation for the marriage of the word and the Spirit, which causes that fire to burn, which causes the incense to rise. Incense only rises off of hearts that burn. The incense represents the dimensions of God's character. All right, so finally we come to our gospel and we're in the gospel of John chapter 6, verse 24 to 35. So open your Bibles, open your Bible apps and come with me to John 6, verse 24 to 25. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they found him across the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. So I'm going to pause right there. I'm going to go back to their question. Rabbi, when did you get here? Notice the way Jesus doesn't answer their question. They come with a question. Great questions lead to great places. Terrible questions lead to terrible places. Confused questions lead to confused places. So we want to be very intentional about the questions that we're asking. And Jesus is being merciful on them there, and he's doubling down in another realm. 
he starts off with Amen, Amen. Now you might remember the, the mystery of the, the spiritual sense for last month was the spiritual sense of seeing. And the spiritual sense of seeing is, is anchored in the, the Hebraic letter Ein, which is, it's got, it looks like a Y with the crown on the top of each branch. And what the Ein says is, one eye for seeing, two eyes for perceiving. So when Jesus says, Amen, Amen, he's going for that second level of perception, that, that deeper level. He's, he himself is obviously transcended his body consciousness. And remember, we have to be integrated with our body consciousness. And so body consciousness is, is incredibly important. That's the, what, that's the reason God gave it to us. So we need to have body consciousness. But he transcends his body consciousness and goes to the next level of seeing. Now he's transmitting that to them. There's an impartation for them. But they need to recognize it and say yes to it. So right now they're just in the flesh. They're, they're not conscious of the realm of the spirit. And he's sending out these, these waves of invitation and impartation to a new level of communion with God. He says, they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? And he's like, no, look in my eyes. Amen, amen, I say to you. And he is speaking to the spirit man, to the spirit woman in each one of them. He's speaking to the spirit man, to the spirit woman in each one of us. Jesus answered them, Amen, amen, I say to you, you are looking for me. Remember, that's the first level of seeing. One eye for seeing, two eyes for perceiving. You are seeing with one eye. You are looking for me because you saw Oh, I'm sorry, you are looking for me not because you saw signs. Now, now notice this. They did see a sign. They saw the bread, but they didn't see it as a sign. The sign is, that means that they would know, oh my gosh, this is a sign that he is the Messiah. This is a sign that heaven's open, that God's come to earth. This is a sign that God's at work right now. But brothers and sisters, we live our days. Are we aware that every breath is a sign, that every heartbeat is a sign, that every blade of grass, that every grain of sand, that every drop of dew is a sign, that every sun, moon, and stars every day is a sign? Are we aware that the people in our lives, our situations and circumstances are all signs, God's speaking to us? And so he says, you're looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You're still stuck in the body. There's more to life than just the body. Yes, the body is sacred. The body is important. The body is a temple. But there's more than just the body. You're not just your body. You're coming to me because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. So that eternal life, that's that Zoe life. This is that higher level in the spirit. This is that, that, etern that eternal life. Uh, so, so do not work for food that perishes. So transcend just the physical, just those, those heavenly truths, those secrets. The Father wants us to know His thoughts. The Father wants us to know His emotions. Christianity is not about God. It's about life with God. He wants to be intimate with us. So do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that He endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. So this is, this is a free gift. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Now, so the Father God has set his seal. Seal language, S-E-A-L, seal language is very powerful and very important. And the key that opens the seal or that which breaks the seal is to understand the seal is the Song of Songs. So the first Song of Songs, the first verse in the Song of Songs, 
let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. So this is this cry of, for direct connection to God. That this cry, the, the, kisses of, the kisses of his mouth, that's God's fiery seal. If you go to the last chapter in Song of Songs, then chapter 8, verse 6, the Lord says, Set me as a seal upon your heart, a seal of fire that cannot be quenched by many waters, a seal that flashes flames of fire. Okay, so the seal has been given to us. The seal, if, if Jesus is speaking to his beloved in the Song of Songs, set me as a seal. Jesus is the word of God. We're learning how to find the fire that flashes flames of fire inside the word. And what does he say? Set me, the word, a seal upon your heart. So we're meant to take that fiery seal and seal our hearts with it. So, um, so, this, so we just bumped into some seal language here from the Gospel of John. For on him the Father God has set his seal. And so set me as a seal upon your heart. I'm connecting that to the Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 6. So they said to him, What can we do to accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you would believe in the one he sent. And so this, this, word, this word believe is the word to allow yourself to come under the divine persuasion. And he's persuading us all the time. His persuade, the divine persuasion is all around, in every direction, overflowing and super abundant. When we believe, we open up to it. Oh my goodness. You know, what is this mystery of a hundred billion cells, of a hundred trillion atoms that I call my life? The, you know, this, this is a miracle of, of organization and of order and of consciousness and of aspiration and of yearning. I want to be the fire that he created me to be. This is the work of God, that you would believe in the one he sent. So they said to him, what sign can you do? Meanwhile, they're stuck in body consciousness. In body consciousness, you can't see any signs. So what sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses. See, they... they Jesus, Jesus, remember, amen, amen means not one eye for seeing, but two eyes for perceiving. Get down on another level. You guys are still stuck in, in, in a materialistic view of the way. And materialism is a type of atheism, and it's all through the church. It's, so people may say they believe in God, but practically speaking, the only thing they're engaging with is the material realm. They're not, they're not engaging with the spirit. So what's the point to believe in God if you don't engage with God? This, whereas the word belief itself, it means to experience that direct connection to, get, to God, the emuna in the, in the, in the Hebrew. And the, in, the, in the Greek, it comes under that divine, precision, d- divine persuasion, the full influence, let the full flow of your river wash over me, God. Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave them bread from heaven, My Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And that, my friends, is not something, that's someone, that's Jesus himself. 
And he wasn't just there then for them. He's right here, right now for us. The risen Lord is is in the midst of us. He is what we love about everything that we love. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And so we are talking about those levels of the secret to, to come and hear, to come and see, to come away, to come away and rest with me. And here he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. I'm going to feed not just your, your bodies and your uh, I'm going to feed every dimension of who you are. So here's the multiplication of loaves and fishes and, and, and eat up. You live in a world of abundance. Go to your refrigerator and take a look. Go to your cupboards and take a look. You live in a world of abundance. Fruit, food grows on trees in this world. <laughs> food grows on trees. Fruit, food grows out of the ground in this world. But, but go, go higher. Go higher. So I want to feed your hearts with, with my emotions. I want to feed your, your, your mind, your thoughts with my thoughts. Not as, not as, not as man thinks does God thinks. For God's, God's thoughts are as high as the heavens are above the earth. But he wants to reveal them to us. Christianity is not about God. It's about life with God. And living a spiritual life looks like something. If we're not engaging in the realm of the spirit, we're still stuck on that body consciousness. Now, but the spirit consciousness, this, there's, there's a switch that you can flip inside. And that switch is to believe. And that belief is to, to open to the presence and to start to engage with the miraculous. Let the miraculous of everyday life move you and elevate you until the, uh, yeah, well, to be fair, there are no walls for this. There's no ceiling and there's no floors. Let's start to ascend that ladder. Why live at three to 5% when we can be ascending that ladder of the Lord to the 30, 60, and 100 full percent? All the way to heaven can be heaven. I say we start now. And then our assignment is to bring heaven to the earth. What's needed more in our lives? What's needed more in the lives of our families? What's needed more in the lives of our community? What's needed more in the life of the world than to experience the heaven? to experience the heavens open. So the heaven is already open over every baptized believer, born, every baptized born again believer. Heaven's already open over individuals, but what we're looking for is heaven open over nations. And how does that happen? It happens with an elevation of consciousness. And this is what we're looking for. Man does not live, humanity does not live. The planet will not be saved by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. We need to have it. This, this is what we're created for. There's an infinite desire within us. And until this infinite desire is connected with the infiniteness of God, we will continue to destroy ourselves over the silliest things. Yeah. Bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for joining me for Inscription, where we explore identity, intimacy, and mission. The more we come into agreement with who he says we are, the more we experience a nearness to him. The more From that nearness, he sends us out on mission. The secret to mission is intimacy. The deeper we go in intimacy, the more fruitful we'll be in mission. Just a reminder, we'll be here every Friday with teachings for Inscription to, to bless your, your weekend and your, your, your Lord's Day. And then every Sunday, we'll be here 
with fire on the altar, a time of just soaking prophetic worship where we can feel every cell of our bodies vibrating with the Holy Spirit. And even deeper than our DNA, you can feel these vibrations, even deeper than the quantum level down to the spiritual level, just experience radical transformation. Why not be fire? So in, come to the fire, enjoy the fire, be the fire, spread the fire. Peace, guys.